Well, two teams have now punched their ticket for the Final Four coming in New Orleans. Welcome into the latest edition of the only college basketball show you need. The nation's college basketball show is college basketball coast to coast. Whether you have found us streaming on TuneIn on our channel there or on podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them, thank you for doing so. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I've got special guests joining me momentarily to help break down the wins by Villanova and by Duke. They're both back in the Final Four. What else is new? Seems like they're always there. And they're awaiting two more teams to join them Sunday. Will it be Kansas or Miami out of Chicago's Midwest Regional or North Carolina or the upstart 15-seed St. Peter's Peacocks out of the East Regional in Philadelphia? We're going to soon find that out for Sunday. And those are the final two slots Again, for Villanova, they'll get the winner of Kansas-Miami. And for Duke, they'll get the winner of North Carolina and St. Peter's. Could it be Duke and Carolina? We're going to talk some about that as the show goes on. Uh, so great to have you with us. Uh, just a second, we're going to hear from T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas. He was in the Chase Center on Saturday night in San Francisco. West Regional Final win. Coach K and company, Saturday Night Fever, staying alive. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, No, he did not. Coach K have a polyester suit with a number one finger up in the air like John Travolta in that movie. Man, I'm dating myself. The under 30-year-olds have no idea what we're talking about. But anyway, Duke does win. They put four players at double figures. They were impressive from beginning to end to defeat Arkansas. We'll talk to T.C. Martin about that later on. Some knowledge, some insight, some historical perspective. Matt Zimmick from the USA Today Trojans Wire website. Great college basketball historian and a longtime national college sports writer. He'll be on the show here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, along with Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, based out of Atlanta, is the uh, purveyor of the Tate's Take podcast uh, for basketball. It is where basketball lives. We'll get Deshaun's thoughts as well. He was in the arena in Greenville, North Carolina, for Duke's win over Michigan State last weekend, was also in the arena for North Carolina's upset of Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium. He's got some perspective on Duke. We'll hear what Deshaun has to say. Let's get all of it underway. Two spots claimed by the Villanova Wildcats, who are looking for a third national title since 2016. Coach K's back in the Final Four for the umpteenth time, the 13th time, as a matter of fact. Let's discuss it all. Yes, he was right inside the Chase Center to see it. More history for Coach K back in the Final Four, 13th time. That is now the all-time record. He has surpassed John Wooden for that. The accolades, they just continue. Uh, What a performance, and T.C. Martin was there to see it from the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas, but he's also a Northern California guy. All right, you were on scene. Uh, Give me what your thoughts are now that Duke has come into San Francisco and uh, and pulled it off and gotten the the uh, West Regional win by beating Arkansas on Saturday night, sir. Well, I'm I'm kicking myself because I had said uh, last week when the odds went up to 18 to one for Duke to win it all, I said I got to get a piece of that action, but unfortunately I didn't because I just had this feeling this would happen. And uh, if they could get by Texas Tech, I knew that the path would be a little bit easier to get past Arkansas, and that's exactly what we saw. Duke just played two fantastic games uh you know in this west regional in san francisco and uh, they did it tonight uh similar to the way they did it uh, the other night against uh, texas tech where they shared the ball beautifully they got production uh, from a you know a myriad of guys and uh you know tonight it was really all about uh the guard play again apollo banchero a fantastic game here tonight and uh you know and then again uh, aj griffin uh, doing his thing for you know the second time here at the chase center so 
yeah, Duke is is on a mission. And when you just see the the look in these guys' eyes right now, it just seems like uh, they are focused. And this is the Duke team, I think, that many people thought that they would see, you know, months ago. But uh, they got in their groove at the right time. And no better time uh, than now as they're going to the Final Four again. You mentioned that Griffin uh, led them in scoring with 18. Van Carroll had 16, four players in double figures. Uh, and I was I was going right there. What I mean, it just looked from the first half on. They were relaxed. They were composed. Uh, you sensed that they were not playing tight. They were they they played. Uh, it, it looked as though freely throughout that game, and that says a lot, maybe for the maturity of this young Duke team, does it not? It does. And you know, this goes back to the conversation that we had going back last week. You know, when they they won that game to get to. Uh, the the elite eight that I just felt that when they beat Michigan State you could just see the sigh of relief not only on Coach K's face and his voice but just the players the way they reacted they said hey you know the the farewell tour is over uh, we we got out of uh, the first weekend of March Madness now let's go play our game and you can just see a different Duke team once they got here to San Francisco they're playing loose and like I said before playing with house money. And they had two very, you know, physical opponents and uh, they handled them uh, uh, you know, greatly just for the fact is that uh, they, they matched up extremely well against both of these teams. And I don't think there was a doubt tonight that Arkansas was going to come in here and, and, and dismantle Duke. That wasn't going to happen just the way that Arkansas plays and the way uh, they're, they're pretty much void offensively, uh, the way they run their offense. And again, uh, you know, tonight uh, they had no answer for Duke's 2-3 zone as well, too. So, yeah, it was all Duke. Uh, they are playing extremely well right now, sharing the basketball. Uh, they're oozing with confidence. And you can see that they've got their sights, uh, you know, not only set on the Final Four, but they've got their sights set on the national championship. A couple more for T.C. Martin, because I know he's got a role here in a minute. Fresh off the Duke 78-69 win over Arkansas. Um, and this was kind of old school. You're a big old school guy. Uh, this was old school where they were not bombing in three pointers. I even put a stat up on social media where they were winning the game 28, 21 with about six minutes to go in the first half. They had attempted one three pointer and yet had built that lead. They didn't do this beyond the arc tonight. They did it inside the arc, uh, out rebounding Arkansas and, and playing very well from about 15 feet in. Right. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't need to uh, work the perimeter because they were getting everything they wanted down the lane in the paint. And uh, they had a key stretch there uh, within about the first five, six minutes of the game where they were just crashing the boards relentlessly. And Mark Williams had a couple big tip-ins and Banchero did as well, too. And they were just punishing Arkansas on the glass. And again, you know, defensively, Arkansas was was not there tonight. Duke was doing whatever they wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, they didn't need the, the perimeter game. And actually, you know, Big Bill and I were, were saying this, too. It's like, hey, there are guys on this team that can hit the 15-foot jumper. You know, they have, they have mid-range <laughs> game. And Duke has it all here. And that's kind of refreshing to see. But it was just a tale of two different teams uh, tonight. TJ, plain and simple. This is a team that was focused, a team that is polished, a team that is has experience and they've been here before. And you can just see that. I mean, they're a battle tested team. You know, they got, you know, high school All Americans uh, all throughout this roster. And another thing, too, is that Shashevsky really shortened his bench the, since he got here to San Francisco. Actually, since they got into this, this tournament, uh, we were seeing guys come off the bench. He would go like maybe even nine and sometimes 10 deep during the course of the regular season. But since they got into the NCAA tournament, 
I mean, he's been playing basically seven guys. And tonight, I think Theo John maybe played a minute and a half. So they played six guys tonight. He shortened his bench. And uh, these guys seem to be just as fresh from the opening tip-off all the way towards the end. Yep, great observation on that. And he, he mixed it up with a zone defense against uh, Michigan State and Texas Tech when he did it. He's, he's changed his yep. lineups, give Coach K a lot of credit. Two more. Same question I asked you the other night because fans love this. You were in the arena. How loud and boisterous was it for Duke? Was it like a Duke home game? It sounded that way at times on TV, but you'd be a better judge of that being courtside. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, it's really not comparable to a Duke home game because a Duke home game, you know, you've right. got only 6,000 fans and there are no visiting fans <laughs> that, that are there. I mean, you had, again, probably it was about 70% uh, Duke fans. Uh, there were Arkansas fans there as well, too. And I got to give them credit. Uh, and so we were right in the middle of that. So, uh, but no, the Duke crowd boisterous. It just, you know, felt uh, electric. And again, these Duke fans, they travel well. They know uh, how to support their team, and it was a raucous uh, uh, arena there tonight. Seventeen thousand plus for the you know second night here uh, for the Elite Eight of both these games, um, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, where you had a sellout crowd of seventeen thousand plus, and uh, it was just noisy on every possession because Arkansas had a good amount of people there as well too. But the Dukies were in the house; they were in effect, and um, they they were there to support their team. So yeah, it was loud. And uh, a lot of Duke uh, fans were wearing blue. Very, very proud tonight. As they should be. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow at the time that TC and I are taping this interview on college basketball coast to coast. We don't know if St. Peter's can pull yet another shocker with North Carolina or will the Tar Heels win? And if they do, it's North Carolina and Duke in the Superdome in New Orleans for the first time ever, ever Mm -hmm. TC Martin in the NCAA tournament. How bananas will that be if that is, in fact, we'll see. We'll see what happens. A thought if it is North Carolina Duke? Oh, can hardly wait for that. Remember, they've played 237 times, and as you mentioned, they have not uh, faced each <laughs> other you know, in, in, in the Final Four or, or anywhere really in the postseason. So uh, great rivalry. As we know, these schools are eight miles apart, and uh, they'll be playing in, in the Dome there in New Orleans. Uh, and both of those schools will be, you know, represented big time. So, no, that's going to be exciting. And I fully anticipate that. I know St. Peter's has proved me wrong and a lot of people wrong uh, up until this point in time. But the way Carolina's playing, I mean, there no one has had an answer for them at all. So uh, I, I fully expect uh, that to be. And, uh, and actually, I hope that is to be because you and I will be there. And that will be one heck of a game to watch. An excellent tease. We will be hanging together, T.C. Martin and I in New Orleans. We know Duke is there. We know Villanova is there. We get two more pieces tomorrow between North Carolina and St. Peter's, Kansas, and Miami. Uh, We cannot wait. We cannot wait to see how all of this unfolds. Once again on a Saturday night, nice job. Go get the big seven-footer, Bill Cartwright, some dinner. You two are doing well. He's your chauffeur. I saw him shaking hands on social media with Coach K. Why not? He's the man in the middle, Bill Cartwright. Why not shake hands with Coach K? I love it. T.C. Martin, thank you. I appreciate the time. As always, we'll catch up with you in the Big Easy, brother. You got it, brother. Take care. As promised, two of my faves are back with me. I love the insight of Matt Zimmick, kind of the unofficial West Coast Bureau Chief of the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast and show. He's hanging out in Phoenix. He writes a lot about the USC Trojans for the USA Today Trojans Wire website. 
uh, but oversees the Pac-12, uh, used to live in Seattle, so he oversees Gonzaga, et cetera, as they got beat. I'm going to get some thoughts from him on what's going on. Deshaun Tate, Mr. Tate's Take Hoops, is back aboard with me. He's based in the Atlanta area. Deshaun was also at the uh, the Duke win over Michigan State last Sunday. Now we've seen Duke move on to the Final Four. We've seen Villanova move on to the Final Four. Boys, it's always good to be with both of you. Uh, we will talk about the Sunday games coming up. Matt Zimmick, let's begin with you for just a second here. Let's go to the Villanova game. Give me a thought on them advancing yet again to the Final Four, an impressive, low-scoring, slugfest-type game with Houston. Villanova back in the Final Four. Villanova is the Los Angeles Rams of college basketball, TJ. And I know that I, I don't say that to give you some pain, you know, because the Rams beat your Buccaneers in the playoffs. But right. here's here's the comparison. This was a veteran team, very high expectations at the start of the season, but didn't put it all together consistently throughout the regular season. And that, that that's the parallel with the Rams. You know, they lost to the Derrick Henry list Titans, really got thumped by them. Uh, struggled uh, at, at a lot of different points along the way, but a veteran team knew it had the goods, knew it had the capability, and come the postseason, ratcheted it up. I mean, it was able to deliver its A game, especially on defense. Uh, now, there's no Aaron Donald on Villanova, but Villanova defended the heck out of Houston and really has defended extremely well throughout this tournament. Jay Wright getting everything together, lining everything up the way an elite coach does. And, uh, you know, the Justin Moore injury, that obviously is something to watch. And right now it seems doubtful that he'd play in the national semifinals, but really want to bet against Jay Wright this time of year now that he has everything rolling? I don't think so. Great point that you make. And again, Moore, it looked like maybe an Achilles or a calf injury. Either way, not good. Uh, for him to continue. Deshaun Tate, thank you for being patient. We come to you, say hello. Uh, Villanova, let's begin with that first. What is, what is it with them in Texas? That's five straight wins for Jay Wright over the course of the last three times. He's been to the Final Four in Houston or San Antonio, and now the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, six straight, actually, six for six. Uh, are we getting? Are we fitting him for a cowboy hat and some boots, even though he's a Northeast guy, a Philadelphia guy? Deshaun, what about Villanova? Yeah, Nova's tough, and I don't think that Villanova making it to the Final Four probably surprises anybody. When you go from, you know, starting in 16 from national champ to, you know, out in the second round, national champ out in the second round, and then, you know, a Sweet 16 and now a Final Four. I mean, you start talking about the thing that recycles the players, but the thing that doesn't is the coach, um, and, and it's just a product of, what he's been able to do, and um, everybody's talking about when Kay hangs it up, who's the next guy that's in line? You know, we can talk about Self and Izzo and Cal and all these other people, but for whatever reason, you know, that's just one of the guys that always seems to get overlooked, and I think that he's making people pay for it year after year. He's been a March coach. They won the Big East tournament, obviously. They now have won four games in this tournament, and I keep saying this stat. We keep repeating it that other than Coach K, there's only one other active coach with two national titles, and it's obviously Jay Wright. John Calipari won, Jim Beheim won, Tom Izzo won, Bill Self won, Scott Drew won. Nobody else got more than one except for uh, Jay Wright besides Coach K. So give them a lot of credit. 
And now we'll await to see whom they play. Is it Kansas or is Miami? We won't know that until Sunday. We won't know Jalen Moore's injury status, but Kyle Gillespie outstanding, Samuels outstanding. And one more time, quick answer from both of you. They are a program that is a beacon in this whole world of, oh, I've got to go get the one and done, and I've got to go in the transfer portal and get this player. Jay Wright gets his nucleus of, of three, four, five guys that want to be there two or three or four years. And isn't it refreshing to see that blueprint working? Exactly, and I don't know this to be for sure. I might have to uh, stat check this and holler at MZ. I'm sure he knows, but I don't think that they've had like a one-and-done guy probably since like Tim Thomas or something like that. Everybody talks about the, you know, going to get the, you know, the, the, the coaches that have to kind of adjust to going to get the one and done player and all these things, but it doesn't necessarily equate into a national championship. 16, Nova didn't have one. 17, Carolina had one with Tony Bradley. 18, Nova didn't have one. You know, 19, Virginia didn't have one. 2020 was a wash because of COVID, but 2021, Baylor didn't have one either. So the ones that are winning the national championships, as it seems, appears to clearly be the ones that are that don't have the one and dones on their roster. And that's the way that this game, when you start talking about, you know, the experience and all the things that matter, that's how this game was designed and, 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 and originated to be played, dating all the way back to Springfield, Massachusetts. Check this out, TJ. December 1st, 1891, Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> he knows the date that it all began. And Deshaun wants you to know that he was not covering that for Tate's Take Hoops, although he would have liked to have been. Back in let the me just hey hey TJ, let me just jump in here with uh, Deshaun saying that you know the the recent national champions have not been in the one and done vein. John Calipari hasn't been in the Final Four in seven years and counting. So let's just take note of that. That is another good right, counterpoint. Backs up Deshaun's point. On the other part of it, it's a good counterpoint that uh, and, and Calipari's team this year doesn't hasn't really maybe Sheebway, but Sheebway was was somewhere else. He's not just one year in college basketball. But even that team couldn't get there. It, it is the coach. It is the system. It is making adjustments with the players that you have. And, uh, and let's give uh, Villanova a lot of credit. All right, enough about that. Let's get on to the second game. Uh, again, thoughts from both of you. I'll begin the I'll, – I'll, ro I'll rotate the other way. I'll begin with Deshaun. Thoughts on Duke getting it done against Arkansas. What stood out? They're back in the Final Four, Deshaun. It's funny that we were even talking about the whole one and done thing, TJ, because the last team to do it was in 2015 with a lot of freshmen and they got a chance to do it all over again and kind of, I guess, uh, uh, take away the whole narrative of what we're talking about with no one and done. You know, the, obviously having a good team, everybody's going to talk about Ben Carroll. One of the biggest question marks for this team, I feel like, was what makes a successful bracket, the experience and the guard play not really elite from that standpoint, not really having a point guard you can rely on. Jeremy Roach has been really good for them uh, down the stretch. And that's a guy that I felt like really had to be in order for them to make the kind of run that they want to go on. But how about the small, I like the other guys that don't get the attention. I know that Williams has been tough and all these other guys have been really good. How about Theo John? That's the guy that I really feel like who doesn't get the credit, transferring from Marquette, tough as nails, he is the glue guy for this team. He's not going to get talked about very often, but he's the guy that has to be the older uh, statesman, if you will, to keep Ben Carroll in place, keep him tough, keep him confident, even when he's not playing well and coming over to the bench for timeouts and huddles. So I just thought I'd throw that piece in. I took Duke to win the whole thing so far. I'm not looking halfway decent. Yeah, I mean, you're looking good uh, that they're back in the Final Four. As we said earlier, that is 13 Final Fours for Coach K, and that is the new record. 
uh, surpassing John Wooden to get there that many times. Matt, Matt Zimmick, a thought on what we saw out of Duke, a game Arkansas team. I'm not going to make excuses, did, but did they did they lose some of their legs and some of their emotion beating Gonzaga, or do you do you not give in to that and just say this was Duke being better beginning to end on Arkansas? Yeah, Duke was simply better. I would say that, you know, the you know, some people said, hey, you know, Arkansas is making back-to-back Elite Eight. So the idea that Duke's getting a much better draw by playing Arkansas compared to Gonzaga, not necessarily so. But, yeah, it was a much better draw for Duke because, you know, Duke already beat Gonzaga this season. I think Gonzaga was looking forward to the rematch and was in a position to make adjustments usually the second game with two teams that are extremely talented doesn't follow the same track as the first game I thought Gonzaga was in great shape if we got that matchup so Arkansas beating Gonzaga it definitely helped Duke that doesn't take anything away from Duke at all I mean Duke was comprehensively better just saying it you know matchups in the bracket they, they influence each other I think the thing to really take note of with Duke and it just lifting the level compared to the North Carolina game on March 5, compared to the ACC final against Virginia Tech on March 12, is that we haven't seen A.J. Griffin really go off. And, like, he was the one really reliable three-point shooter for this team in most of the ACC season. Duke is torching people without Griffin. Yeah, man, Carroll was big in this game on Saturday night, and they move on now. And that's a perfect segue. I want to get to Sunday here for a couple of minutes with Matt Zimmick. You're hearing his voice. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. Love this man's insight. College basketball historian. We figuratively bow to him for the insight uh, and the knowledge. Uh, Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take, the podcast, Tate's Take Hoops on Twitter, where basketball lives. Got to have these guys here. Um, All right. So it's a perfect segue into the East Regional Final where North Carolina plays the upstart 15 seed St. Peter's. We either get the Hollywood fairy tale of a 15 seed into the Final Four to play Duke, or we get for the first time ever North Carolina and Duke at the Superdome. Matt Zimmick, I see you nodding first. Quickly, uh, what a what a backdrop for that game to take place. Somebody goes to the Final Four and Duke is awaiting the winner. It's pure magic. I mean, either way, you know, it's an absolute blockbuster in that late game. And we know it's going to be the late game in New Orleans in the Superdome. But, uh, you know, what's worth knowing about St. Peter's, North Carolina, let's not let's not assume Carolina's off to New Orleans. Like St. Peter's battled Purdue and, and won and was the tougher team late. And, you know, North Carolina looks like a really good team, looks like it's ready uh, to take the next step. But this, you know, this is a St. Peter's home game. You know, the school's not too far from Philadelphia. And, you know, this undersized team, you know, compare how St. Peter's defended Purdue compared to, to Texas. You know, Texas has big dudes. Texas is not a bunch of, of chumps. And yet St. Peter's being undersized as it was, was able to handle Travion Williams uh, so much better than Texas did. Like, so this is not a team playing like a 15 seed. This is a this is a pretty even matchup, and I think it's going to be a close game. I, I'd give the lean at UNC, but like this is not a layup for the target. There's no doubt St. Peter's will have the arena in Philadelphia, and just the same way as I thought this and it proved correct, it was obvious to me, 
that if they start making shots and start doing things against Purdue, that the UCLA and, and the North Carolina fans would start rooting for them. Well, now they've got an extra day and a half to get several thousand more St. Peter's alum, friends, family, whoever in there. They start making shots, and this is close to Sean Tate. It is advantage St. Peter's from a momentum crowd standpoint. How much do you buy into that? Give me a quick thought on the game on St. Peter's, North Carolina, as we look to Sunday real quick to Sean. Maybe not as much from a standpoint of, you know, crowd and things like that. I mean, North Carolina is going to do a pretty good job traveling themselves. Um, but the, the worst thing that North Carolina can do in this position is, is to be looking too far ahead to Duke. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, that's just something they cannot afford. That's reality to me. I don't know if I love the story of St. Peter's as much as I love the story of Duke in North Carolina at uh, in, in a final four settings for some revenge <laughs> amongst other things. I went to both Duke and Carolina meetings earlier this year. I would love a clean sweep, wow. but I'm an underdog guy type, type of guy too. So uh, I just want to see a really good game, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the bigs, the front court for North Carolina, a little bit more mobile, agile, athletic, lateral movement than, than, um, than, than, than Edie uh, and Williams for Purdue. But, I expect a good game. One thing Carolina cannot afford, they cannot afford for Brady Manning to be the best guy and the only guy to come away with a victory because if that's the case, then they're likely going to lose. They need yeah. help. And it was uh, Caleb Love that was so huge with all the big shots. All right, so Deshaun, a fun one again. As he mentioned there in passing, you went to both the Carolina home game where Duke wiped him out and then the all-timer where Carolina gets revenge and beats Coach K in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. If I had said to you, we're taping this on Saturday night, March the 26th, would you have ever believed me if I had told you that after that night in Cameron, Deshaun, that they would meet again potentially in the final four and we're 40 minutes away from North Carolina making it happen, by the way, my friend? I would have probably said respectfully, and I don't know if I could say this, but I probably would have said pass the blunt or pass the bottle. <laughs> That probably would have been the thing that I would have said respectfully, CJ. Or but no, pass there's no the way. urinalysis cup. One of the two. What are you taking? There, there you go. Whatever it is, pass it. By the way, I'm not sure if I even want that because there's no way I could have seen that happening. Um, but just the thought about it. I mean, that's what makes all of this up, the, the March Madness yep. and all the stuff, yep. that the likelihood of what can happen. We could be talking about St. Peter's sitting there with three other blue bloods yep. talking about Kansas. Yep. Talking about, you know, Duke, talking about Villanova. I mean, to get through two other blue bloods in North Carolina and Kentucky just to get there. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Right. Maybe with the exception of George Mason getting there by beating Michigan State, North Carolina, and UConn uh, to get all the way to the Final Four. But that's what we live for, and not to count out the underdogs. March Madness is all about the underdogs. And uh, best of luck to both teams. And I hope that we just see a really good game. It's going to be wild. All right. We should not shortchange it on Sunday as it is college basketball coast to coast. That's the voice of Deshaun Tate. Tate's take the podcast. Uh, Matt Zimmick is also here from the USA Today Trojans Wire website. Uh, both guys, give me about 30 seconds here. We cannot shortchange Kansas. Miami is the other piece to the puzzle. Matt Zimmick, what does that come down to in Chicago? Uh, Kansas is big men, you know, because, uh, you know, Miami has great guards. Miami's not going to lose a backcourt oriented game. And, you know, my USC Trojans, they couldn't impose their will at near the basket, you know, in the paint. And Iowa State did not have a low post hammer. Auburn struggled all year in terms of the guards feeding the ball to their bigs. Kansas with David McCormick, that's where the Jayhawks really need to make their statement in this particular game. But I expect a close one the whole way. 
And again, Deshaun Tate, Deshaun, uh, uh, Jim Laranega has uh, has been in the Final Four with George Mason. Miami has never been in this spot before in an Elite Eight game. How big will his influence be in helping them? What kind of shot does Miami have to get to the Final Four for the first time ever for them at, at the hands of a Blue Blood program like Kansas? What do you think? I just brought up that George Mason team, and for a good reason, the head coach of that team at the time, Jim Laranega. He knows what it takes to be able to get there. He has the players. I think it was in a very good position to be able to make the final four from the beginning. Granted, I was very, very close uh, to taking Miami before I went with the Friars. But uh, I definitely think that it's a more than winnable game uh, for Miami. I mean, I, I, I like so much about this team just because of the way that they play defense. They're as confident as anybody else. We talk about St. Peter's being confident, which we should. Duke and Arkansas and all some of the other players, uh, uh, some of the other teams. But Miami's a very confident team. They beat some really good teams this year, too. Obviously, one of them being Duke, who just cut down some nets regionally tonight. Nobody saw this coming, and that's what March is all about, the things that nobody saw coming. Great point. Tremendous guard play for Miami. Kansas hasn't played particularly well and yet beat Creighton and didn't play particularly well in the Providence game and found a way. Let's see if they have a great game or not. That's the first game up on Sunday in Chicago, along about 2.20 Eastern time, 1.20 local time in the Windy City. North Carolina and St. Peter's follows. Those are the two final pieces to the puzzle at the Final Four. We're looking forward to that. Matt Zimmick, I always love your insight. Thank you, sir, uh, for all of this. We'll catch up with you again around Final Four time. Thank you, Matt. A pleasure. Uh, Deshaun Tate, thank you as well. I will see you in New Orleans as we head there. Boys, enjoy the Elite Eight. Thank you, Deshaun. Thank you very much, TJ. I appreciate you for having me, per usual. Love my guys, and now the stage is set. We get ready for two more spots in the Final Four. Kansas-Miami up first, or the Jayhawks back there again, as we keep saying. Over and over again, Bill Self has had them there. Is Miami there for the first time, and then North Carolina and tiny St. Peter's University out of New Jersey. Somebody else goes to the Final Four. I know that arena will be rocking in Philadelphia regionally there for St. Peter's. Let's see what happens. My thanks again to T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show out in San Francisco for the Duke win. Matt Zimmick and Deshaun Tate kicking it around with me. I'm T.J. Reeves. Enjoy the Sunday games to see who joins Villanova and Duke. We're back to recap it all with a Final Four set soon on College Basketball Coast to Coast.